0: Dear listeners, welcome back to this latest episode of the podcast The Way Out Is In. I'm Joe Confrino, working at the intersection of
1: personal transformation and systems change. And I am Brother Fab a Zen Buddhist monk in the tradition of Plum Village, a student of Zen Master Thich Nhat Hanh.
0: And brother, today we are offering a bonus episode because we are going to be showcasing an interview that actually I did with Thich Nhat Hanh 10 years ago, 2012, just before Christmas.
2: The way out is in.
0: Hello, everyone. I'm Joe Confino. And I am Brother Fab Hu. So, brother, this is a, an episode where we do very little. Yay. And we let Zen Master Thich Nhat Hanh do all the heavy lifting. So, this uh, episode is um, of an interview I did with Thai. Um, just before Christmas of two thousand and twelve. Now, brother, I remember that Paz and I were here because we used to come every year for two weeks and leave just before Christmas. And we were set to leave the next morning, and you appeared. And tell us what happened, brother.
1: So, as Tai's assistant, um, sometimes we are the voice of Tai. So we were. I was instructed by Tai to go and meet Joe and to ask Joe to stay for an extra week because Tai wanted to do an interview as part of his Dhamma talk. But Joe um, told me that unfortunately we can't extend for one more week because we have to be home with our children for Christmas. So I said, okay, let me go report to Tai. So I come back to the sitting still hut and we're in Upper Hamlet. And I informed Tai, and so Thay, um tells me what to tell Joe, and I come back and I meet you, Joe, and this and is what you, I told you. Yeah,
0: and you said, okay, Tai's decided we do it now. I said, now? He said, yeah, in an hour, we're going to be in the main meditation hall. We're give, phoning up all the hamlets to ask all the monastics and lay practitioners to come, and we're going to set up the hall now with all the tech and all the translation and everything and I thought "Mm, I'm not so sure this is going to happen but an hour later there we come to the meditation hall and it's all done and people are streaming in from the hamlets and um and the reason we're presenting this interview is because for me anyway it was um, a really deep and insightful conversation around our relationship with mother earth and 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 in it Tai talks about the fact that the environment is not outside of us. We are the environment. We cannot separate Mother Earth from ourselves. And I remember that the sort of moment, Brother Fapu, that touched me most deeply was that Tai said something. In fact, I mean, you'll listen to it, and I am maybe paraphrasing a little but He said, when you have true communion with Mother Earth, it is the highest form of prayer and it's like that one sentence is the highest form of prayer. You know, this, you know this, un, this sense that, you know, the life we're living in the West is so divorced from our connection to nature. But if we actually connect to nature, that is the highest form of prayer.
1: And what I love about this is it shows a characteristic of our teachers and Master Thich Nhat, because we are the tradition of here and now. So when Thai said, the future is not possible, then we do it now.
0: So without further ado, because we could wrap it on, but actually this is the moment to listen to Thai. So we really hope that you enjoy this deep and profound conversation.
2: The way out is in.
0: Dear um in the last two weeks in your Dharma talks, you've talked about the importance of seeing Mother Earth, the cosmos and humanity as one and completely interwoven. Um, you said our nature is your nature. Can you just say a little bit about what you mean by that and why it's such an important insight?
2: Yes. This insight, this teaching is, uh, can be found in, um, in um, the scriptures. In Mahayana Buddhism we believe, uh, we are taught that uh, everything has uh, Buddha nature. So the nature of enlightenment is uh, imminent in, every, uh, in everything. In the circle of Zen Buddhism, mm, they ask whether a dog has Buddha nature or not. And also uh, in the Lotus Sutra, and in many other Mahayana Sutras, uh, it is confirmed that uh, there are a multitude of Buddhas in the cosmos. So before mankind, appear on earth. Uh, there had been Buddhas, not in the form of a, a person, but in other forms. In the Buddhist scriptures, they speak of uh, Buddhas as many as the uh, sand of the Ganga river. Mm-hmm. So if we look into the Milky Way, we see that uh, there are billions of stars, and each star can be a Buddha. Like the Sun above us is a real Buddha, a Buddha that can provide a lot of uh, light and warmth, a Buddha that can offer life. So it is possible for us to conceive a Buddha not in the form of a person, So, what is uh, um, offered today as a teaching and practice is not something really new, but a continuation of what has been uh, said and practiced. Uh, It's clear that uh, the Buddha Shakyamuni is uh, a child of the earth, and he has expressed uh, uh, his intention to, uh, to take care of this earth as his pure land. And therefore, we who follow uh, the teaching of the Buddha, we want also to accept this uh, earth as our pure land. We don't need to look for a kingdom of Buddha elsewhere, a, um, a pure land where else. Uh, if we have enough mindfulness, uh, concentration, and we will get insight that the uh, pure land is available right in the here and the now. And uh, the insight is that the kingdom of God is on earth, the kingdom of heaven is on earth. In uh, Air France, has produced a, a beautiful sentence. Fair uh, de la Terre, to make uh, the sky the most beautiful <coughs> spot of the earth. And we like to change a little bit we say that uh, the earth is the most beautiful spot of the sky. And if you look around deeply you realize that that there is anything that is as beautiful as our planet Earth. And that is why um, we should not uh, try to uh, <laughs> to, to, uh, to abandon this beautiful planet, uh, searching for something far away, whether that is called pure land, or kingdom of God, or anything. And uh, if we, um, we get that insight we see that the earth is not only the environment, the earth is us. And taking care of the earth, we take care, take care of ourselves. And many people get sick today because they get alienated from Mother Earth. Uh, they forget that they are on earth. They have a body that is given them by Mother Earth. And the practice of mindfulness helps us to go back to our body and touch uh, Mother Earth inside of our body and touch the Earth outside of our body. And that practice can help heal people. So the healing of the people should go together with the healing of the Earth. And that is the the insight. And this is uh, possible for everyone to practice. And and why is it important for you
0: to be talking about this now? So you say it's in scriptures, but you're bringing it very much into the front of your mind and and to talk about it. Is it because you feel that the earth actually is in danger now and that actually we need to go back to Mm. that real deep connection that we've lost?
2: In the Buddhist uh, tradition, uh, we believe that... uh, The teaching should be appropriate to our time, to our place. So whatever teaching that can respond to the real need of the people of the time should be a good teaching. And that is why this comes to the foreground. That does not mean that this is the only teaching, but that is the kind of teaching that we need the most in our time. Why why do you think
0: now is the appropriate time? What What do you think the dangers are if we ignore this teaching?
2: So many uh, have already uh, spoken about the danger that we encounter. I just mentioned the fact that uh, many of us in the human uh, uh, family are getting sick. And uh, our sickness uh, is the sickness of Mother Earth. And that is why uh, that kind of enlightenment is a very crucial without that kind of uh, collective enlightenment, awakening. And then we cannot hope to have a change in our way of uh, living so that we can uh, protect us and protect um, Mother Earth at the same time. And in Buddhism, we speak of uh, meditation as um, an act of awakening. To to awake uh, is to wake to be awake to something, to be awake uh, to the fact that uh, the earth is in danger, and uh, living species on earth are also in danger. And that is uh, that should be a collective uh, awakening in order to have uh, enough strength for a change.
0: And how do you think we can bring about that collective awakening? Because... Um, for most people, they live very busy lives. they're living in cities, they're often uh, got major problems in their families. How, how do you think people can come back to this really core understanding when their minds are so far away from it?
2: I think the best way would be uh, to help them to to be in touch with the, the suffering that uh, they they undergo now. Many people suffer and deeply, and uh, they don't know that they suffer. And um, they try to cover up the suffering by being busy. Maybe it's not because they like to be busy, but they want to be, to get busy in order not to have the time to touch the suffering in themselves. So anything you can do to help them Realize that suffering is there, and there is a way to take care of that suffering. And uh, if you are skillful enough, we will help them to stop being busy, take the time in order to go back and take care of themselves, and at the same time, take care of the earth. And uh, you, journalists, <laughs> you can do things like that. You can practice that and by your way of uh, sharing your insight, your experience, you can help people do that. And we in Plum Living, we do that in our own way. We organize retreats, days of mindfulness, organize uh, the practice of uh, mindful walking, uh, breathing, so that we can touch the suffering inside of us and around us. Mm, Transforming the suffering is the most important thing, and not uh, getting more uh, money, fame, um, power, uh, sex, and etc.
0: How do you feel is the best? So you 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 talked about the fact that often people get stuck in the suffering mm. and um, and don't see a way out of it. What, what is the you talk about? Obviously mindfulness and concentration, and then you get insight. For a lot of people, that seems very simplistic. That, 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 a lot of people say, well, that's not a way, that's not an answer for me. I've got too many problems, I've got no time. What, what would you say to people who, who would find this, uh, who would look at this and say, actually, how is this going to help me?
2: People are concerned to, to have a good life. Everyone wants to have a good life. A life that is pleasant, not burdened with worries and things like that. And uh, they don't know the way how to lay down the worries, the fear, the anger, in order to enjoy uh, themselves in their daily life. So we can very well propose, them, propose to them a way of life. A practice, a way of living, so that they can improve the quality of their life right away, today. Suppose you tell them that, um, do, you, do you remember that you have a body? To have a body is something wonderful. And you have spent um, a lot of time with your computer. You forget that you have a body. You are not alive, you are not with your body. And when you are not with the body, you are not alive. So if you breathe in mindfully, practicing mindfulness, (laughs) with one in-breath, you can already go home to your body and get the insight that you have a body. And a body is uh, a wonder. And when you are with the body, spirit, and mind together, you touch the inside that you are alive, you are there on earth. And you can you can get in touch with many wonders of life available to you, in you and around you. Uh, you can practice like uh, breathing in. I am aware that I have a body. And <laughs> now I smile to my body, which is a wonder. I enjoy having a body. With my body, I can walk on earth and enjoy the beauty of the earth. Something like that. So mindfulness, concentration and insight should, uh, should be presented in such a way. And then the, the practice of mindful breathing, the practice of mindful walking can help you to be there in the present moment in order to um, get in touch with the wonders of life, refreshing and healing that can nourish and uh, heal you. And the practice of mindfulness also helps you to be there in order to recognize that suffering is there so that you know how to take care and transform the suffering. So they are very concrete things. We are not um, offering them uh, philosophy uh, ideas, but real ways of uh, practice so that they can uh, uh, suffer less and they can begin to enjoy more uh, of life, beginning with their breath, then their body, their eyes. Suppose you say that, do you know that uh, you have uh, eyes in good condition? It's a good thing. You practice breathing in. <coughs> I'm aware that my eyes are still in good conditions. And if I open my eyes, I will be able to touch a paradise of forms and colors around me. And that will bring me happiness. When I am mindful, I enjoy more my tea. Uh, While I drink my tea, I'm fully present in the here and the now. I'm not carried uh, away by my sorrow, my fear, uh, my projects, the past and the future. I'm here, available to life. And life is available to me. And when I hold a cup of tea, I look with mindfulness, and I see that uh, there is... Uh, A cloud in my tea. The cloud was uh, in the sky yesterday. Uh, Today it is in my tea. And the cloud is a wonder. The tea is also a wonder. And I am also a wonder. And when I drink tea, uh, this is a marvelous moment. And happiness is possible. You don't need a lot of power, of uh, fame, of money in order to be happy. Mindfulness can help you be happy right in here and the now. And every moment of our daily life can be a moment happy. It can be a happy moment. And if you tell them like that, and if you know how to do it, uh, you set an example <laughs> and you can help people to do the same. And that does not take many years. It takes uh, a few minutes in order to experiment, to see the truth.
0: One of the things you uh, said in your talks is about uh, and you were just saying earlier about the earth, planet Earth, our mother Earth is not the same as the environment. and you said we want to we need to go beyond environmentalism and uh, beyond just having environmental activists.
2: Can you just tell us a bit about what you mean by that? You say that the the, the earth is uh, a bodhisattva. It means that uh, the earth uh, has many virtues that we can recognize. First of all, like uh, the, the, the capacity to endure, endurance. A bodhisattva, a real bodhisattva should have that uh, virtue, that capacity to endure, perseverance. A bodhisattva should have uh, the capacity to to be solid, to be stable. And earth is solid, is stable. A bodhisattva should have the virtue of being creative, and the earth is very creative. She gave life to many species. A Bodhisattva should have uh, the spirit of non-discrimination. And Earth does not discriminate. She embraces everyone, everything. She never gets angry at us, even if we do silly things. So a Bodhisattva does not need to be a human person. A Bodhisattva can be a star, a river, a mountain, a planet. That is why, when we look at our planet Earth, we should see her as a Bodhisattva. and um, um, We should transcend uh, the notion that, that uh, the Earth is something inhabited by a spirit, and that Bodhisattva is a spirit inhabiting the Earth. Uh, we should transcend that idea. We do not worship uh, a spirit that stays behind the earth. Uh, because uh, we know that uh, we are not caught in the idea that there is there are two things. The earth, which is a material thing, and the spirit of the earth, which is a non-material thing that inhabits the earth. Because our notion of um, mind and matter are just notions we should be able to transcend both notions. And when we can realize that the earth cannot be described either by the notion of uh, matter or mind, and when we recognize uh, the virtues, the talent, the beauty of Mother Earth, because something is born in us, some kind of uh, connection, some kind of uh, love is born. We admire. We love. We want to be connected. That is the meaning of love. To love means to be one with it, to admire, to adore. So that kind, that is the kind of sentiment that is born from your contact with the Earth. And when you love someone, you want to say, I need you, I take refuge in you. So that is kind of praying. And that is not superstition. You love the Earth, and the Earth loves you. You do anything for the well-being of the Earth, and the Earth will do anything for your well-being. And that is uh, the kind of outcome uh, from that kind of relationship. So it begins with mindfulness, that you are there as uh, a child of the Earth. That you carry Mother Earth within you. Mother Earth is not outside of you, she is inside. Mother Earth is not just your environment. You are part of uh, Mother Earth, and that kind of um, uh, of insight of uh, non-discrimination help you to be truly in communion with the Earth. It's like in Buddhism, in the Buddhist tradition. Every time we bow to Buddha, we say the one who bows and the one who is bowed to. Uh, They are, both by nature, empty of a separate existence. Uh, Dear Buddha, you are empty of your separate existence, and I am also empty of a separate existence. It means that you are in me, and I am in you. You are made of non-you element, including the element me, and I am made of non-me element, uh, and including you. And in that uh, inside of interbeing, uh, communication becomes truly possible. If you are only you, and I am only me, and we are two different entities, how can communication be possible? So when you wake up and you see that the earth is not just the environment. The earth is in you. You are the earth. Uh, you touch the nature of interbeing. At that moment, you can have real communication with the earth. That is the highest form of prayer. Uh, the, the one who pray, the one he, who is prayed to, uh, are not to. So in that kind of relationship, um, we have enough uh, love, strength, awakening, in order to change our life. Changing is not just changing the things outside of us. First of all, we have to have right view. Right view is kind of view that transcends all notions, including the notion of being and non-being, a creator and creature, a mind and spirit. And uh, that kind of insight is uh, crucial for transformation and healing. And only when you have that kind of uh, uh, Right View, Right Insight, uh, Discrimination is no longer there, and there will be deep communion, communication, communion, uh, mutual understanding, and every good thing will come from it. Uh, Because Discrimination brings about fear, separation, hate, anger. And the root is uh, the 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 wrong view, the wrong view that you and the earth are two separate entities. The earth is only the environment. You are in the center, and you want to do something for the earth in order for you to survive. That is a non-dualistic, a dualistic way of seeing. So to breathe in and to be aware of your body and to look deeply into your body and to realize that you are the Earth and your consciousness is also the consciousness of the Earth. And that consciousness can be, can, can be liberated from uh, wrong views. And you are doing what Mother Earth is um, expecting you to do, to get enlightened in order to uh, uh, to, uh, to become a Buddha, and to help uh, other living beings, not only on Earth, but in other planets. So, uh, environment. Uh, we should not think of the environment as something apart. Uh, not to cut the tree, not to pollute the water, that's not enough. <laughs>
0: What would you say to, because one of the key messages you have is, is you talk about applied Buddhism, that it's not okay just to sit and meditate, but you talk about the need to address injustice and to address exploitation. So what would you say to those social activists who are, who call themselves environmentalists and are fighting to sort of save the planet and fighting to save the species? You've talked about that you're not much help if you're angry yourself. but Can you just talk a little bit about if you actually want to make a difference actively in terms of your sense of really addressing these issues, not just by your own actions of switching your flights or or anything else, but actually really getting to the grips of Mm. of the issue. What would your advice be to people who really want to make a difference to the world?
2: Mm. In Buddhism, we speak of... um, Individual action and collective uh, action. Sometimes something wrong is is going on in the world. And uh, we think that uh, it is the other people who are doing it. And you you are not doing it, but looking deeply, you see that you are part of the wrongdoing by the way you live your life. And that is why it's good to meditate on uh, collective action. Uh, In a human relationship, when you suffer, you tend to blame the other person as the cause of your suffering but you do not know that uh, if uh, that relationship has become, has become difficult, it's partly because of you because of you. Uh, if you are able to understand that not only you suffer, if you are able to see that not only you suffer but the other person also suffers That is already an insight. When you see the suffering of the other person, you no longer want to punish, to blame. And uh, maybe you want uh, to do something to help that person to suffer less. But if you are burdened with anger, fear, ignorance, and you suffer too much, you cannot help another person not to suffer. That is why to do something for you to suffer less, that is very crucial. If you suffer less, you are lighter, you are more smiling, you are pleasant to be with, and you are in a position to help the other person to suffer less, more easily. So the same thing is true with uh, activists. If you are angry, if you only blame other people for, for doing wrong things, You might not help, you might make the situation worse. And therefore, to change your your mind, to remove uh, uh, wrong view, and just to remove wrong view, you suffer less already. You have have not done anything yet. Just remove the wrong view, and see that uh, the people are victims, and you cannot condemn the victims. You can only help them. So that already makes you feel lighter, uh, freer, uh, you suffer less. And there are a lot of things to do in order for you to suffer, uh, to, 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 to suffer less. Uh, and I think um, you know, all activists have to, to got a, a spiritual practice in order to, to help them to suffer less to nourish the happiness in them and to handle the suffering in them so that they will be effective in uh, trying to help uh, the world, people. With anger, frustration, you cannot do much. You might make the situation worse.
0: just wanted to move on to the subject of science because you have a very strong interest in it and you're doing your 21 retreat. A twenty-one day retreat next summer on the uh, combination of science and Buddhism. Just, just on that, I'm just interested just first about your personal interest. What, what, what brought you into your personal interest in science, and, and what have you personally learned from it?
2: Scientists are motivated by a desire to to understand more, and uh, Buddhist practitioners um, also are motivated by that kind of desire. But in Buddhism, we we keep in mind that understanding will help us suffer less. Any kind of understanding, true understanding, will help us suffer less. And uh, the Buddhist tradition has uh, elaborated uh, ways of practice in order to help people to suffer less. And um, in the process, they have uh, found out many things about themselves and the world. They don't use the scientific method, but um, but uh, they have got a lot of insight, uh, and a lot of experiences. And I think they can share it with any other people, including the scientists. The scientists, uh, they suffer also. And, uh, uh, and they may uh, make use of some of Buddhist practice in order to suffer less, to enjoy more life. And many of them have done that. And we, uh, in Buddhist tradition, we have found that uh, science help, help us. Uh, personally, I think uh, that archaeology, uh, philology has helped me a lot because thanks to this uh, kind of science, we are able to identify Buddhist texts uh, and know uh, in what time these texts have been produced and so on. So we have a better knowledge about uh, the evolution of Buddhist thought, and then. To, uh, Chemistry, uh, physics, and others have also helped us. Many findings of science have confirmed the Buddhist teaching on uh, impermanence, no self, uh, no birth, and no death. It's like when uh, Lavoisier said that uh, there's nothing born, there's nothing die, nothing is born, nothing die. We see that that go. Perfectly with the Buddhist teaching. Uh, When you look uh, into a cloud, even if you do not uh, use sophisticated uh, scientific um, instruments, you can touch the nature of no birth and no death of the cloud. Uh, The cloud has not come from the realm of non-being into the realm of being. And that that insight can be got by anyone. You can help people, uh, non-science people, uh, to see that. You can tell them that uh, before the cloud appears in the form of a cloud, it did not belong to the realm of non-being. Because it was uh, the steam, the, 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 the water vapor, the hot sunshine, and this is only a continuation, the form of a cloud. So there's no birth. There's only a new manifestation, a new continuation. And when the cloud dies, it does not die. You don't see it anymore, but it has has not uh, passed in from the realm of being into non-being. It's impossible for a cloud to die. Uh, The cloud can become uh, snow or rain or other things, but cannot uh, become nothing. So it is possible for non-scientists to touch the um, the truth of no birth and no death of the cloud. So what uh, what um, what Lavoisier said that said is goes uh, perfectly with uh, Buddhism, and we get that scientists are saying the same thing, mm, and that help us uh, to to help people to understand more uh, easily the teaching of the Buddha. And when scientists um, talk about the law of uh, conservation of matter and energy, and they also confirm that uh, nothing can be created in in in, uh, in terms of matter or energy, and you cannot destroy matter. You cannot destroy energy. So that con- that confirm um, uh, the truth of no birth and no death. And if you accept the truth of no birth and no death. You have to accept the the truth of no being, no non-being. Because birth means from non-being, you become being. And to die means from the realm of non-being, you pass into the realm of non-being. So if you transcend the notion of birth and death, you are able to transcend the notion of being and non-being. And you know that to be or not to be, there's no longer the question. <laughs> uh, and uh, findings like that uh, help us very much uh, to confirm the teaching of the Buddha and our own experience. We have uh, uh, another way of uh, helping people to, to see the truth and to touch the truth. And uh, in Buddhism, the understanding of no birth and no death, no being and non-non-being, non, is not for the sake of uh, speculating. Uh, we meditate on that in order to transcend our fear, our anger, our uh, our discrimination, and we suffer less. And that is why we think that if uh, scientists make good use of their findings and apply them to their daily life, they will suffer less. And they will succeed more in their, in their work uh, in the realm of science. And that is why a retreat for uh, yogi and scientists is good, because both uh, can support uh, the other, uh, each other.
0: In terms of the understanding of, of the cosmos, So, I mean, in in ancient times, there was a reverence for the Earth and the sun, but from a very paganistic perspective. And one of the things science has done is given us this understanding of the cosmos and, and the interrelationships of planets and solar systems. Can you just talk a little bit about whether science has helped or can help in this understanding of interbeing and our connection to Mother Earth and the sun?
2: I think uh, science has been able to demonstrate the truth of uh, no self, of interbeing. But uh, scientists have not been able to apply that kind of insight into the realm of uh, organizing our daily life, our society. So far, uh, the insight of science have been applied in technology. That can be sometimes very helpful, but sometimes not helpful. But uh, when the scientists work together with uh, the yogi, they may think of trying to apply it to our daily life um, in order to handle uh, suffering and happiness. There are those of us who agree on the truth of impermanence, but still behave as if things are permanent. So that is common for scientists and non-scientists. So we hope that one day scientists um, will be able to apply this kind of findings, non-self, into being, no birth, no death, into, uh, into, uh, into our daily life. We need the time in order to meditate and to apply this insight into our daily life. We need um, to do, like uh, in the Buddhist tradition, to have the time together. To do walking meditation, to do sitting meditation, to do uh, dharma uh, exchange, in order to deepen our understanding. uh, uh, And to try to, to apply this kind of insight into our daily life, so that we can transform our fear, our anger, our discrimination which is very important. This is not technology, (laughs) but it's very crucial to our happiness. Moral science. Mm. So uh, applied ethics is on that. And one day, scientists will participate (laughs) in the work of uh, applied ethics. Every, Every kind of insight can be applied in uh, in ethics. So to say that uh, science does not pay attention to the matter of uh, morality and ethics, that's not true. Because any finding of yours in the realm of science uh, should have an impact on the way you live. Mm, like um, when Einstein said that he cannot believe in, uh, believe God to be an old man's, sitting in the sky and decide things on earth. That kind of attitude that comes from his understanding of uh, the world, of the cosmos. So it has uh, an impact on his personal life and the life of other people. And there are theologians who who have been influenced by him, like Paul Tillich. And that German delusion um, said that he <clears throat> also cannot believe that God is uh, a person. And that is uh, the theme of our Christmas talk. We have to reserve that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Can I just ask a little, um, that there's a whole movement amongst businesses and politicians which says that the connection, trying to re- reconnect people to nature, is not working. And so actually what you have to do is put an economic or a monetary value on everything. So if before you cut down a forest, you have to think how much is the forest worth in terms of the soil erosion it creates, how much people will lose their uh, value of being able to walk in the forest, etc., etc. They're, they're trying to take nature down to put dollar signs on it because they say that's the, the, the system we're in only values money and therefore, work within the system you have to actually work with a monetary value to nature. Do, do you think that's, there's a, that's a practical thing that we have to do or do you think there's a risk that it might move people away from really connecting to the majesty of nature and to, and to see themselves within the earth?
2: Even if we can um, set up laws like that there will be people who try to trick, you know, not, not uh, to continue that way. I don't think that will work. I think uh, we need a, a real awakening, a real enlightenment. We have to change our way of, of seeing things. We have to change our way of, uh, of uh, thinking and seeing things. Uh, and this is possible. Uh, we have not tried really on that respect. Every one of us, whether we are school teachers, father, mother, brother, sister, or journalist, we have to do it in our own way, producing awakening, producing uh, enlightenment, and bring right view into the mind of people, because right view brings happiness, bring right view, release the suffering, and in a very concrete way, and that is why we sit. We need to sit down like this and find ways, very concrete, to help. And there are plenty of us who are activists, who are eager to do something. And we should uh, go this way. We should begin with ourselves. We should begin with uh, removing our wrong views so that we can suffer less. And when we suffer, when we suffer less, we can be more helpful, we can help people to change.
0: And just, just finally, Tai, uh, in terms of the letting go of the, the future, so the, the, you've talked about that nature, that, that the Earth is not angry, but that there's always a need to rebalance. And that if we continue to create damage to the Earth, then the Earth will respond quite naturally, as it does, has done with other species in the past. And you've also talked in the past and in your recent writings about that possibly that the human species will be devastated or annihilated if, if we don't change our mind. How do you, again, just from a personal perspective, what, what's your view of how, how do we deal with the possibility that actually, if people don't change, that actually the human species may be devastated? How how do you respond to that, and and, and feel
2: about that? We know that many civilizations uh, in the past have uh, vanished. And this civilization of ours can vanish also. The the earth will take uh, a million years in order to help uh, recreate uh, another civilization. So it's not a problem with uh, with the earth because she has enough patience and endurance and she can wait. But for us, <laughs> as human beings, we do not have that kind of endurance and insight and uh, courage. And we can we can lose uh, our hope and we can get uh, uh, get um, uh, drown into the sea of despair and when we, we are a victim of despair we cannot do anything uh, we, can, we, we can make the situation worse so that is why um, we have to we have to take care of our uh, our inside our thinking our mind first and that is why meditation is something very important to meditate does not mean that you get away from life but uh, you have the time in order to to look deeply into the situation. To uh, allow yourself to have uh, time to sit, not doing anything. Just look deeply into the situation. Look into our mind and find ways to... Uh, to take care, to deal with uh, the anger, the fear, the despair in us. And uh, if uh, we do not do that, other things we do will not bring any result. So to meditate is the most basic, crucial thing to do. You have to get out of despair. You have to get the insight the non-fear. You have to to Mm. preserve your compassion in order for you to be a real instrument of Mother Earth in order to help other species. And uh, our century should be a century of uh, spirituality. Whether we can survive or not, it depends on it. We have to go home to us and look deeply, and that is the work of the spirit, and that is why every one of us on earth should have a should bring a spiritual dimension to their daily life.
1: Wow! I hope everyone enjoyed the conversation between Tai and Joe, and isn't it so lovely that uh, Tai is still offering today, and. This episode was recorded 10 years ago, which uh, in 2012, when Plum Village celebrated 30 years of Plum Village. And we released it this year in the podcast because we are celebrating 40 years of Plum Village as a continuation of Tai's legacy.
0: Yeah, and also, brother, you know, Tai has been an environmental activist and campaigner for, you know, for 50 years. But um, But, you know, this message he gives... Ten years ago was was really, really important to hear, but now, ten years on, when we're facing this sort of existential crisis and this extraordinary industrialized destruction of the planet, um, his voice, his message, his profundity is actually even more needed. Dear listeners, um, we hope you've enjoyed this. Um, If you have, there are many other episodes of the podcast The Way Out is In. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on our very own Plum Village app. Um, and this episode, like the others, would not have been possible without the co production of Global Optimism, of the Plum Village app. And also, brother, would you like to give thanks to the Ticknatown Foundation?
1: Yes, because this podcast was brought to you by the generous donors of the Ticknatown Foundation. And if you would like to support future episodes of the podcast and the work of the international Plum Village community, please visit www.tnhf.org donate. Thank you.
2: The way out is in.